You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you want to try a free trial, go to the website builtforthestage.com or click the link in the description of this episode and you can work for seven days with your own Broadway fitness coach on an online app. So check it out. No catch, no gimmicks. Builtforthestage.com. If you like Built for the Stage podcast, please rate, subscribe, and leave a comment. It'd be greatly appreciated. All right, please enjoy this conversation. All right, I'm here with Ben Jeffrey. Uh, we're here in the Minskov Theater where he performs in The Lion King. Um, we're in an interesting room, so if you've been to a Broadway theater, um, unless you've been in the show, you probably have never been in a room like this. We're looking at some stored wine glasses, some flutes. I take you to all the fancy places. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I know. So, I appreciate giving me the Got some the nice drywall back there that's patched. I don't know if you noticed oh. that. So we, don't, we have an unfinished look, Man. a shabby chic look here. Man, I thought that's everything right. in a Broadway uh, house was made of marble and gold. Oh. I guess not. No. This no. fold-out table from Home Depot. I probably. know. Yeah, or Target. This could be Target. This could is, be Target. This is a... Could be. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, being on the show. <laughs> this is so glad to be here, man. Uh, it was a pleasure seeing you, I think, two weeks ago now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben plays Pumbaa in The Lion King, for those of you that are listening. You you uh, booked Lion King in 2010, right? Yeah. So this was around the Astoria movie. So, well, so here's my, here's my New York story. And okay. I always tell young people, don't anticipate anything like this happening in your career. I was super fortunate. So I... I graduated from uh, Rutgers for grad school. I got my MFA at Rutgers in May of 2009. Uh, went home uh, to Kansas City, which is where I grew up, and I, I got married. And then my wife and I moved to New York in November of 2009. Uh, I, you know, I, I had an agent lined up, and so we were, we, were, we said, if we're, if we're going to go, now's the time. Uh, by the way, just side note, it is not a good idea to get newly married and then move across the country with no friends, no money, and no jobs, and no prospects of any of that. That is not a great thing to do to the person you love and have chosen to spend the rest of your life with. So, unless you want to really just put your marriage through the crucible right from the get-go, I would advise against that. However, uh, we, we got through it. We're, we're stronger because of it. Uh, and, and we're still married now. We have a kid now, so she like, has to stay with me forever. She's totally Right, trapped. yeah, there you go. Uh, but, the, uh, but so, moved here in November 2009. And nothing was, it, it was November, so like, 
nobody's greenlighting anything, right? There's no projects happening. It's right before the holidays and stuff. So there was uh, November through like January. There was, was I got a job at Starbucks and I was absolutely miserable. And uh, and um, but but regardless, so I was here and I said we'll give it a couple years at least and we'll try to stick it out. And so January projects started coming again. My agent started sending me out. And then in February, I booked an episode of the show Louis. Uh, and then I, in the first season of that show, and then I booked an episode of The Good Wife. And, I that, and then two weeks after that, I booked Lion King. You are so, fired. So I booked, I booked uh, two TV shows and a Broadway show within four months of moving to New York. And so it was so, that was, um, and, and I've been doing Lion King ever since. So I've, I've been, I've been now, uh, it'll be nine years in the show in June. How do you keep so, it fresh? How do you keep it you know, I, so the biggest thing I always say is that, uh, cause we get that question. Uh, it, it, um, I'm so fortunate to work with some of the most talented people in the world. They're really just phenomenal. And so particularly the guy who plays Timon in the show, Fred Bourbon, we, we came into the show together. We've been doing the show together for nine years. We're basically an old married couple now. And, uh, he's a very, very dear friend of mine. And he's one of the best actors I've ever worked with and he's constantly coming up with new ideas um he's always keeping it fresh he's always trying new things and so but he and i also really enjoy each other and we have a pretty good rapport and energy on stage so usually the way i keep it fresh is just by, <clears throat> excuse me just by connecting with the people i'm on just be, rem, being remembering to come back to to what's what's happening right now at that moment and and and, and grounding myself in the truth of those circumstances and, the, and in the truth of my relationships with these other people on stage. And, that, and because I'm fortunate to work with people who are also striving to do that every day, um, it, 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 that's usually enough to do the trick because I get to work with such amazing, beautiful people. But also, the other thing is that the nice thing about live theater is that there's a new cast member every night, which is these 1,700 people who are coming to the show for the first time. And so there's sort of... Uh, a, I think there's always a temptation with any job, right? When you've been doing it for a long time, to coast, to 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 want to want to sort of just like I, I I've sung Hakuna Matata thirty five hundred times. Like I could sing it in my sleep backwards, probably in several other languages. I don't even know. So so it's not like I need to remember how to do it. But uh, coasting like that is, uh, I think, it robs me of the experience I can be having in that. Uh, more than anything else, it really robs all these people who are coming to see this story get told. And that's not right. Uh, you know, th there's a certain, I think, audacity in art which says, I am up here creating something and I want you to pay your hard-earned money to come watch me create this thing, this imaginary thing. And I think you you owe people something when you, when, when you make that arrangement with them. And, and so I, I think I and I think my, my fellow cast members and, and, and everyone who works on the show take that very, very seriously. And the other thing, though, is that this show, uh, it's the storytelling in it is so unique and so interesting. You know, the, the puppetry and the, and, the, and the sets and the, and the lighting and the, these absolutely stunning costumes that are so different from, uh, I'm not saying they're better or worse than any other Broadway show, but they are not like any other Broadway show. And so to get to sort of tell a story that is, I mean, the story itself is relatively basic, right? It's, it's that coming of age tale. It's the, it's the prodigal son story. So this is a story that we all know, which is part of what makes it work. It's very accessible to, I think, pretty much any human around the world. We all sort of know this story in our hearts, but it's told in, in, in such a unique and interesting way uh, that it sort of fuels you. You do not have to bring as much to it as it brings to you because it's such a rich 
uh, bountiful way of telling that story, and particularly the use of the puppetry of animals to tell a human story, right? Like it's about animals, but it's, it's really our story. And, and Julie Tamor, when she created the show, was, was very specific about that, which is why, like, when you see the show, you, you can see all of our faces and the masks and the puppets, right? That nothing's covering everyone completely, and that's because she wanted what she calls the double event, which is this human spirit inhabiting this animal, right? And so so eventually you might, when you see me, my head's coming up in the middle of my puppet, so you, you might at first see Ben's face, Pumbaa, and then Pumbaa the puppet, but hopefully a little later on in the show you're just seeing Pumbaa, you're seeing kind of one holistic thing, so that when my face and his face sort of mesh into one storytelling yeah, yeah, it definitely works, um, yeah. for sure. And, like, uh, I think of Warhorse, if you've ever seen that. Yeah, very similar. You, that, yeah. you see them, you know, manipulating and moving this horse puppet. Yeah. And then, before you know it, it's like, it's all one thing. It sort of adds to the storytelling. Rather than take away from it, it, it actually does. adds to the yeah, storytelling. You know, so seeing so that's why like a lot of our set pieces and props, you can see the machine, the, the mechanics of everything and yeah. how it's working. You know, like there's a, a sorry for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, but there's a gazelle wheel that comes out at one point. She, she's pushing this pushing this big kind of rig that has a bunch of spinning gazelles yeah. on it, and it's and you can see how that mechanism operates. That was very cool. Yeah, yeah. and uh, right, exactly. That brings you into the story rather than, rather than take you out of it. Tell us about the costume. Uh... So Pumbaa is, uh, I, I could tell you, so I could tell you just general facts about costumes. So, so a scar costume costs about $50,000. Uh, so, and to put, so some of our ensemble have 16 costume changes in the show. And to put one new ensemble member in the show costs about $65,000 and up. The Pumbaa puppet is about $35,000. Um, so, so when you have to pay $150 to $200 for your ticket to the Lion King, that's why. It's not, <laughs> it's not because we're gouging you. Yeah. Um, it's because all the people who make all that stuff have to get paid in addition to those of us who are here sure. eight times a week doing the show. Um, but the, um, so Pumbaa is about, he's about six and a half feet long. Oh, it's okay. we'll edit that. That's okay. Pumbaa's about six and a half feet long, uh, and he weighs about 50 pounds, uh, and the, uh, which I'm a pretty big guy. Uh, you guys uh, listening don't know that, but I'm, I'm, I'm a tall fellow, and I'm pretty broad, and I'm pretty strong. So 50 pounds isn't like a huge amount of weight for me. The difference is that this, it's sort of suspended about four and a half feet of the puppet is suspended out behind me, and it swivels. So it's sort of torquing your trunk through the whole show. So Pumbas are usually pretty broken from about the belly button to the ankle. We have like our hips and lower backs and our knees all take a, take a pretty hard punishing during the show. Yeah. But it's also, I think, one of the funnest puppets to play with because he's so big and you can, once you sort of, uh, there's a learning curve in terms of learning how to how to use the puppet for yourself. Is it on uh, but your the, shoulders? Yeah, so, so the back half sort of sits on me like a backpack, and then the, the head uh, sits in front of me and, and, and connects to that. And he's a pretty simple, like I've got, I can open and close his mouth, and I can move his eyes a little bit, and I've got a, a, his, t I use his tongue a couple times in the show, and that's my arm, and so a big piece of fabric. So, so he's pretty... That's okay. Yeah, he's sort of sort of like a rod puppet in that mm -hmm. sense, but he's pretty rudimentary in terms of his operations. He's so big. Yeah. And so being able to sort of operate him around the stage like that, and also backstage, I, when I sit backstage in the puppet, I have to sit on a stool and I'm not allowed to move because I'll block traffic mm -hmm. going on and off stage. So, so I need to, if I need to blow my nose or get a drink of water, they got to bring it to me. Yeah. I, can't, I can't do any of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, is the front or the, the back heavier? The back is a lot heavier. Okay. Yeah. So the, the whole costume is mostly, uh, it's high strength lightweight aluminum with foam. 
uh, and that's been painted usually and sealed. So the back half is where most of the metal structure is because that's like the spine of the puppet and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And the front, the head is, is not very heavy at all. It maybe weighs uh, 10 pounds, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit more. So I'll write a letter. Maybe they can use some lighter material. You know, well, this is the Cadillac version of the puppet because my first puppet was about 15, 20 pounds heavier than this Really? One. So yeah, they have yeah, uh, done so some... They, they, yeah, they, they did, did put upgraded Puma material. on a diet. They did. They put mm -hmm. Puma on a diet. Well, they got... Because you got to remember the first puppet was 20 plus years ago. Yeah. So it was... They, they didn't have... They didn't have the metal making skills that yeah. we have now. You know, they didn't have sort of the technology. And also, this this puppet was built around my body, uh, like actually measured to my frame, which makes it a, little, a lot easier for me. Like I did the tour over the summer for a couple of weeks, and the guy who plays oh. Pumbaa, it was going through Kansas City, and so they agreed to let me swap with the touring Pumbaa for three weeks so I could do it in my hometown, which was really, really cool. And that's, that's Disney's Probably a great company. Probably cool for both of you. Oh, it was great. Yeah, so he got he, to come here. His family is close yeah. uh, here. So he got to come and hang with his family for a few weeks, and I got to go back and, and do the do the show in my hometown for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but uh, we had to trade puppets, and he is uh, he, he's uh, not a... He's a big guy too, but he's got uh, much smaller like chest and shoulders than I do. So me fitting into his puppet was like, the big guy, little coat. <laughs> so he's ready for it to rip it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about the physicality of it? Like when you started rehearsals, or if you you know you can kind of recall that yeah. when you were trying to you know study how I could be a human but take on the physicality of a warthog because I know you have the puppet yeah. but I, I noticed some things that you were doing throughout the show as far as mannerisms with your legs and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well I think um, there that was sort of a learning curve too because learning the puppet is so it's a lot to take in and it's this organic it's a technical step in an organic process right like acting like if I'm acting with you and my body you can laugh or, or I could look at you and want to cry but now I, I, I oh it makes me want to laugh so I've got to do this with my hands and this with my hips and this with my head you know so so we, we had four weeks of rehearsal where we just sort of figured out how are we going to put something on stage in these big puppets right you know and, and they worked with us on that and sort of helped us tell that so they we would we rehearsed at first without the puppets yeah. so we could figure out what we would do just as actors and then uh, we put the puppets on and tried to sort of recreate that with the puppets, right? Those intentions with the puppets. Yeah, and so, cool. yeah. And so then after about six months of that, we got comfortable enough in the puppet where, like, we could just we could talk at the puppet like we're talking now. And so now I can put the puppet on and talk like it's a, a part, of you. part of me. And so now we can play, we can experiment, we can. Well, but the uh, the biggest challenge is that it's I was a lot heavier actually when I joined the show. I was about, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a small person now, but I was about almost 50 pounds heavier when I joined the show. Mm -hmm. And about a year into my time at Lion King, I was running off stage and my foot caught on one of the grooves on the stage and I tore cartilage in my knee. And so I was out of the show for three months. And my doctor was like, who's a great surgeon. If you ever need a, an orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Philip Bauman on the Upper West Side is absolutely fantastic. But, Shout uh, out. Yeah, hope, hope that none of you have to go and see him for his services. But if you do, he's the best in the world. Cool. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's rebuilt me several times now. But the, uh, uh, he was, told me when I recovered, he was like, listen, if you want to keep doing this show, and, and then it's kind of like you, something's going to have to give because this is not something, this is not the sort of injury I would expect to see from someone under the age of 70. So he said, between the fact that you're a very heavy person and you're wearing this big heavy puppet eight times a week, this is not going to be sustainable. Uh, and that was sort of the beginning of my like journey to physical wellness, you know what I mean? And so I lost about 70 pounds. Uh, very slow. Wow. I did Weight Watchers, you know, and yeah, just, say, did, just did Weight Watchers. Took me about a year and a half. 
uh, lost 70 pounds. I, I've been working out because uh, I like working out. Particularly, I like lifting. I don't. I don't. I hate cardio in you know, all of its forms. But uh, uh-huh. but the uh, but I, but I was and I was doing cardio, just not a lot of it because it hurt because I was you know this yeah. massive dude like trying to get on a elliptical. You're you know, probably yeah. trying to run an elliptical. Yeah, elliptical yeah, and, and it was just a lot. And uh, but um, but so uh, progressively started losing weight, uh, working out, started like. Being that guy who like looks at like workout routines and fitness blogs and stuff like that, just to, just to try new things, and I yeah. uh, started making friends at the gym and uh, becoming like you know just because I was not you know like a, a lifter or a bodybuilder, but there were guys there who were who were very supportive and very cool and were like awesome man, we, you know trying to get healthy, so that's great. Here's maybe you should lift that this way so you don't rip your shoulders out, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and so. Um, so yeah, so over the course of a year and a half, I lost uh, a, a lot of weight. Um, physical therapy also helped me. Uh, sort of regain mobility and stuff. And then uh, we had my daughter and I gained like 30 pounds of sympathetic pregnancy weight and I've been riding there ever since. So I'm still like 40 pounds down, but I still, I need to be like another 40 pounds down from where I am to be like normal healthy size. We're going to hook it up. We'll hook it up after this podcast. Awesome. We'll give you some cardio that's that's not monotonous. It's not painful. I love it. That's it. Boring. We'll give you some some interesting stuff. Thanks, Joe Brasco. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we're actually doing this interview and Ben's in his makeup still. Yeah. So he just finished a uh, Sunday matinee and ran down, got me, he's got his makeup on. And I was once in Cats. Um, oh, really? I was in Cats. And, Where? Uh, Here? Or? No, no, no. Okay. In, a, in a little equity house called the Little Theater on the Square. And, Where? Uh, Where? It's in Illinois. Okay, right on. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing it and I'm awful at the makeup really yeah. like i'm really bad well funny thing <laughs> so uh pumba usually does did until i joined the show the, so i replaced the original pumba tom allen robbins he did it for 13 years uh and uh, he did his own makeup i uh I, so i went to college and grad school for theater so i had seven years of acting training and in that time i had at least three classes on how to do your own makeup and I barely passed any of them. I am <laughs> terrible. I, now, I also can't, like, draw, right? So, like, I can't draw on, like, a paper right. in front of me. So, trying to do that in a mirror on my face yeah, in reverse. is even yeah. more disastrous. So, I come here and they're like, it's fine. You'll get used to it. You'll get good at it. So, I'm like, uh, I listen, you guys... I told him up front, I was like, you guys hired an actor. You did not hire a makeup artist. So I will give it, I will give it my best shot though. I'm going to be a pro. I'm going to get as good as I possibly can at this. Yeah. And I worked my butt off and I was trying all these different, I was trying different paints and different brushes and, I, you know, like holding my arms a certain ways and they would say, you know, what if you support your, the wrist that's painting with this other hand and blah, blah, blah. And then three months later, they decided to start doing my makeup. And <laughs> so I was, so I, I was so bad at it that they started. So now I put on, there's a white base on my face and then a dark purple base on my neck. And I put those on with a sponge because it's like, it's like splatter. It's like painting with a roller. You know what I mean? And so I did that. And then uh, a makeup artist comes and does the actual inter- So I've got like kind of weird stripes that are supposed to mimic sort of tusks and also uh, accent my smile line on my face and stuff like that. Yeah, so they see, do all that stuff I because that. I was so bad at it. Maybe on the way out when we're seeing uh, the theater on the way out, I can grab a video of you to, to show everyone. Uh, oh, actually, you can't. Oh, copyright. I wish, uh, yeah, I wish you could. I can't right. do it out, I'm gonna out take, of the I'm going to take a mental image. Yeah. I'll do a drawing you of my own that. on paper. Yeah. And then you can share that drawing. with your blog. Yeah, it's like a courtroom drawing, but for, oh, your, exactly. for your podcast. Exactly. You know so I mean? I'm going to do that. 
Okay. And and it's gonna serve you out there that are listening in no way because it will, it will, it will be you'll be like as awful as you were describing. This makes zero season. sense. What I'm looking is that even a human? Yeah, right. So um, I saw in Playbill. Did you have a little stint, a little time where you were? Uh, a cover in Aladdin. I did. I actually performed the role in Aladdin. Yeah, I was okay. actually I was Babcack in Aladdin. Tell, I, tell, uh, tell us about that. So when I, uh, they were workshopping that like six or seven years ago, I think, uh, not long after I joined The Lion King, they were like doing readings of it to see if they were even going to bring it to Broadway at all. And uh, I did one of those readings, uh, and uh, I read for the role of Babcack doing that. It was you know twenty hour twenty nine hour reading, you know, you know, and, so, and it was great fun. Uh, and then. I was doing Lion King. Who, and they, who is they were, Babcat for everyone Oh, so Babcat. So in the movie, he's got uh, Abu, his monkey, who's like his buddy. And in the show, they've sort of replaced Abu with three buddies. Uh, uh, Babcat, Omar, and Kasim. And, and so Babcat is one of those three buddies. And, uh, and he's, he's the one who's always eating, if any of you have seen the show. Um, so I did... Uh, Drink food from the store. Yeah, if, 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 <laughs> if only, man. If only. But, uh, so I did the reading, and it was great fun. Uh, and then I was back at Lion King, and I did that for like six years. And the show opened on Broadway and I was thrilled for them because they're it's a great show and it's such a cool group of people and I know like I knew I knew James Monroe Eigelhart he and I actually did that episode of The Good Wife together so I was thrilled as it could possibly be for him she's an incredible performer uh, and a Tony winner now uh, but anyways but so um, a couple years ago uh, I get a call on a Tuesday and the, uh, the guy who was playing Babcanic they were like he, he's hurt himself and we think it's pretty bad so it's Tuesday, right? So that's the start of our week because Mondays are a day off. And so it's Tuesday morning. They're like, don't go to Lion King tonight. Come to the New Amsterdam Theater. You're going to watch the show and we're going to put you on in eight days. So I, and, and now, because they were like, you're the, the only thing. They had other, they had covers for Babcat, but uh, they basically in, in about two weeks time, if uh, the actor playing Babcat wasn't better, they were going to be kind of screwed for coverage. Right. So they were like, you are the closest thing we have to someone who knows the show. But it was a completely different show. I mean, like, they workshopped, they did out-of-town tryouts of it in a couple of different cities. So, I mean, it was, it was a totally different show. So they were like, and, and, and what I did, it was a reading. There was no, like, choreography. There was no, so uh, they said, we'll put you on in eight days. And I said, awesome. So <laughs> I uh, so I went and I, I learned the show in eight days. And I went on uh, in eight days. So I had to learn I had to learn one big dance number. And that took me all eight days of rehearsal, the Babcat Omar Aladdin Kasim number. And then I had to learn one stage combat number. And that took me about five hours. So it was the... Uh, yeah, but it was but it was a ton of fun. They wow, were yeah, that was yeah. something. They were an incredibly supportive group. Uh, it was it was it was a really cool experience to sort of kind of be thrown into something like that and just have fun and play with really incredible people. And then I did four shows, and the actor playing Babcat was better, so he came back, and I went back to Lion King. But then the next summer, uh, he left to do a show for like six weeks. And so I got to go over and cover the role for that period, which, and I got to go on a bunch of times. It was great. So that that was a lot of fun. So nice. was, that was nice to go back and actually get to like do it yeah. for a while. So. Wow, cool story. Uh, do you remember when you were a kid, like when you were growing up? Do you remember that time that you saw The Lion King when you were younger, uh, the movie? I do remember the movie because I actually I couldn't afford a ticket to the show before I booked the part, so I had never seen the Broadway production. But had you ever seen no the movie? Uh, though, I, I have seen the movie. Oh yeah, yeah I watched the movie all the time. When, when did you? Yeah. Can you remember the first time you saw the movie? Oh god, I don't know if I remember the first time because I probably watched it a thousand times. Right, and yeah. I did, did always. You, did you own like the phone like? 
VHS like big oh yeah oh yeah oh, totally. oh I think we had three of them because we had like <laughs> uncles who would give us all like the same movie for Christmas and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. I guess I didn't want us to fight over it or something so okay, okay. we'd have like three copies of The Lion King and stuff, you know <laughs> oh yeah the like weird plastic like mattress looking thing right yeah, yeah. um but the, uh, yeah, no, no. So I love, and I do remember identifying with Pumbaa a lot as a young man. Ask. Just because he, well, he was kind of like big and kind of awkward, but he has a really big, sweet heart, which is kind of how I was when I was a kid. You know yeah. what I mean? I, uh, I've actually, I feel like I've, I've become increasingly more flatulent like him in my older years. I wasn't as farty when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, but now, I don't know, I'm just older and I just don't care anymore, there I you guess. Go. So, you know, but the, uh, uh, but yeah, so no, oh yeah, I loved the movie. You I know. remember my first time vividly. Oh, you saw, you remember the first time with the movie? In theaters. Okay. I'm younger, I don't know how old, I'm sitting by my dad, my dad's like, jock, you know, he's not like a tough guy, but he's not a crier by yeah. any means. And I don't remember when he started, but he just started like bawling, like uh, ugly crying. Oh, it was probably when Simba's dad died. I, I, would, ass I would assume. Because that is like... Second to like Bambi's mom getting shot. That's like the second most traumatic Disney scene in history. It is right. like, oh my god, it's gut wrenching. Right. Yeah. I I guess that's probably why I remember it so much because like my dad's not a crier, but yeah. but man, he was he let it go in the Lion King. So. Well, I think too that it was lost on me how revolutionary that film was for its time. You know, like like when the elephants are walking in the paint and like dust comes up off the ground. For animation, that was like yeah, that was huge. Back yeah. It was so like cutting edge and groundbreaking. I just watched a cool documentary about Pixar on, no. I don't know if it was Netflix or what it was, but man, just, I didn't realize what all it took and how simplistic it started with like just the computerized shapes that were formed to make no. like uh, Woody and Toy Story. No, that's crazy. Before we got started with the podcast, you were kind of telling me about um, a, your mental space previously like in your younger years and someone said something pretty impactful to well, you yeah so it was, it was so I, I was, i've been a big person my whole life like like uh just like off the chart when i was six i was on the weights for like 10 to 12 year old children kids like i was, I was just a massive kid i've been a big adult and then in grad school i um I, I lost some weight in grad school. I did one of those like fad diets i did the south beach diet so i lost a bunch of weight which i gained all back in like a year but it was the first time i'd ever been not really large and I was still big like I was that's the thing it's like I probably lost 80 something pounds on that diet and I was still after that I was probably in like the high 200s if not the low 300s like I'm still a very big guy and I but I was taught I used to make a lot of fat jokes about myself and that's a defense mechanism you know what I mean like, like oh, because if I do it first then nobody can hurt you with it right like it's like in Game of Thrones call yourself Lord Snow nobody can make fun of you by calling yourself Lord Snow so uh, but I remember I, w I did that once, and I had a roommate who's an excellent dude, uh, and he just he just said, you know what, you can't say that about yourself anymore. You just can't because it's not true anymore. You're not a fat guy, and you need to you need to stop thinking of yourself as a fat guy. And that hit me. What I realized is how much of my identity I built around being a not just a large person, not a heavy person, not a not a not optimally healthy person, but a fat person. It wasn't just like a thing I was struggling with. It was a piece of who I am. And that needed to go. You know what I mean? Whether or not I lost or gained weight was not the issue. The issue was the internalization and, and, and the way I had taken that on as part of my psyche, as part of who I was. And the truth is that no matter how big or small I was or how big or small anyone is, that is not who you are. 
you know, and, and, and recognizing there was a deeper truth in myself that as big or as small as I ever would be, it doesn't affect whether or not I can uh, be sexy, be happy, be healthy, find love, find friends, enjoy my life, you know, and, and so I think that um, part, we, we've been talking a lot on this podcast about sort of the, the 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 mental precursor to actually taking action in your life, right? And change, like whether we're talking about uh, women's empowerment or, or, or raising children or, or, or acting or doing other shows and stuff like that. And that was sort of a big moment for me where I realized it, whatever I have decided is true about myself, I will manifest to be true about myself. You know what I mean? And the, and there's there's healthy and unhealthy ways of doing that. I think because it's dangerous to build an identity around anything. Like if you want to become a successful actor, and it ends up not working out for you, that doesn't mean you're a failure as a human being, or that you just didn't manifest yourself hard enough. That's not where this is going. But what I am saying is that if you've decided that you are X, Y, or Z that is something you don't like about yourself, but it is who you are, that will continue to be true about yourself. And what I knew is that, what, what my friend kind of taught me in that moment, is that that was something about myself that did not have to be true. And it didn't have to be true regardless of whether I gained or lost weight. And so that was sort of the, that moment for me. Yeah. What about uh, how they can find you, websites and anything? Uh, if I am a total social media Luddite, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not really present on any of those platforms. I have, I have like one personal platform that I'm not even going to share the medium because I don't mm -hmm. really want to use it. Okay, cool. that. You know what I mean? I, I, uh, I, I just, I don't know, the whole thing. Like I, so we I can just say... Come to the Lion Come King. Come to the Lion King. Okay. You know, watch the latest season of Orange is the New Black. If you really want to see that, I want a few episodes of that. Cool. And, uh, you know, and if, if you see me, you can root for me. And I will appreciate that so much. And that'll do it with our guest today, Ben Jeffrey from The Lion King on Broadway. Once again, if you like today's podcast, please rate it, subscribe, and leave a comment. If you've hung around this long, please DM me on Instagram at Bill for the Stage or contact me on the website www.billforthestage.com and mention that you listen to the podcast. If you do, you'll receive not only a free trial, but my favorite ab routine program. All right, guys, until next time, it's me, Roscoe, signing off. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.